an honor working with you, and I appreciate that last one thing, you, one last thing you had to say. Uh, look in your worship guides, please. On the uh, second page there, uh, under, um, well, the bottom half of the, uh, the worship guide, the order of worship, you'll see scriptures for the sermon. And I, I would encourage you to just look there. It's just a little easier, and I am going to read the second one from the translation known as the message, and so I would, uh, it's, it's printed there, so that's what I encourage you to find. While you are finding that, let me uh, remind you and invite you to, remind you about and invite you to the meeting at 5 this afternoon in the fellowship hall, or on, uh, at 5.45 on Wednesday in the fellowship hall, same presentation, two times. The trustees are going to be presenting the new plan for our children's area and its impact on our building. I do believe uh, this is going to be a, something that results in our church being united, uh, excited, and ignited. And I appreciate so much the trustees and their work uh, to make sure that we, we focus on both the future and the fellowship of our church. And I'm just delighted with what they're going to present. I hope you'll be here at 5 o'clock at, at today at 5 or at 545 on Wednesday. All right, let's read first from Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. It's on the left side there of your worship guide. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Now, Zion is Jerusalem. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors, the Babylonians, asked us for songs. Our tormentors, the Babylonians, demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Sing us one of those happy songs from back home. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Psalm 137 comes from the chapter of Israel, Israel's history when the people we call the Jews were in exile. They had been driven from their home in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. Uh, at the point of Babylonian spears, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army had marched in and, and taken them captive, captive. And so the last time they saw their homes, uh, their homes were burning. The last time they saw the historic, majestic, beloved walls of their temple upon the mount, uh, those walls were crumbling. And now they find themselves in what is present-day Iraq in a foreign land, a godless place that uh, to them was... Um, was not only dis disappointing, but disheartening. And, and their captors, the Babylonians, for their own entertainment, said, why don't you all sing for us? After all, you people like to sing, so why don't you sing some of those happy songs from back home? But we had packed up our instruments, the people of, of Jerusalem said. We've thrown away our hymn books. We're not going to sing in a strange land. This story took a turn that we don't like, and this is not us, and, and so we refuse to sing. We can understand that. It would have been hard to sing. They must have wanted to scream at the unfairness of it all. They must have wanted to growl at those godless, heartless Babylonians. They must have wanted to cry over their loss, and we can understand that singing would have been very, very difficult. Singing is a choice. Have you ever chosen not to sing when the story took a turn that was not pleasant or that was disappointing, even disheartening? Have you ever said, 
I'm just not going to sing. Sometimes singing, and by singing, of course, I mean joy. I mean a positive attitude. Sometimes singing is, is a choice. Now, here's, a, here's an important but quick caveat here near the beginning. Some of you understandably have a hard time singing, and you're not going to be able to sing for at least a while. If you've experienced deep grief, if you've experienced loss, then it would be phony for you to pretend everything's all right. It would be disingenuous. It would be hollow and shallow for you to pretend, oh, yeah, everything is wonderful when it's not. This morning, someone said to me, singing is going to be hard today and explained the significant loss that person had experienced, and that's understandable. There are times when Singing is, is almost impossible for a while. There's a time, Ecclesiastes says, for mourning, but then there comes a time for dancing and there will. But right now, for some of you, this is really not for you because you, you're grieving and singing would be impossible. Others of you uh, struggle with mental or emotional struggles and, and their psychological, chemical physiological reasons why happiness is really difficult. Depression is a real thing, and, and, and there's, sometimes there's just no happy switch. And so I'm really not talking to you. Now, you do have a responsibility, of course, to take care of yourself, to address your needs, to get the treatment, the help that you need. But I'm not saying to you that you ought to just do better. That, that, would, be, that would be callous of me, and I'm not saying that. But for most of us, for most of us, We are, to quote Abraham Lincoln, about as happy as we want to be. I'm talking to the most of us who have not experienced deep grief recently. I'm talking to most of us for whom uh, depression is not a problem. But please hear me, depression is a problem. And I want to say this, there's no more shame in being depressed, uh, no more than having a kidney stone, but either one of them will make it hard to sing, right? So sometimes it's just hard to sing. But most of us, most of us have a choice. Are we going to sing? Or are we going to hang up our harps on the banks of the river and throw away our hymn books? I'm talking about choosing to sing. Some of us have chosen not to sing in the Christian world, and two bad things happen when we choose not to sing. Number one, we, we misrepresent the Christian faith. When we choose a sour attitude. When we choose not to sing, we misrepresent the Christian faith. Nietzsche was the 19th century German philosopher who popularized the idea that God is dead. Nietzsche said, I would believe the Christians' message of salvation if more of them looked like they were saved. Some of us don't look like we're very saved. Teresa of Avila from the 16th century in Spain wrote, God save us from sour-faced Christians. Some of us are sour-faced Christians, and if we are, we misrepresent the Christian faith. There may be somebody who's choosing not to be a Christian because one of us has chosen not to sing. We're bitter, we're angry, we're sour, and so we misrepresent the Christian faith. Second thing that happens, bad thing that happens when we don't sing is that we miss out on the abundant life that God intended for us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, fully. And we admit that the invitation is there, but we have to accept it. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The dad threw a story when the prodigal returned, but the elder brother said, this story took a turn I didn't like, and so I ain't going to the party. There's some of us that are just missing the party where, because we choose to enjoy our 
bitterness, we choose to enjoy our sourness, we choose not to sing. When we choose not to sing, we misrepresent the Christian faith. When we choose not to sing, we miss out on what is available to us. All right, now look back at your um, worship guide, and I want, you, I want you to read or follow along with me as I contrast our first text, Psalm 137, with our second text, Habakkuk 3. And I'm going to read if you'll follow along. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing. I'm singing joyful praises to God. I, I, I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. Counting on God's rule to prevail, I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. Now, for a farmer like Habakkuk, when the olive trees don't produce and the fig trees don't produce and the grapevines don't produce and there are no cattle in the stalls, that's not only frustrating, it must have broken his heart. That, that's his hope. Those are his hopes. Those are his dreams. Those were, those were his ways of making a living. But he said, even when my dreams are dashed and my hopes are crushed and my bank account is drained, I still will choose. I will choose to sing. Second Chronicles 20 tells an unusual story. The kingdom is divided. Northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And this is Judah now, the people of Judah, the people of God in Judah are facing a combination army. The Moabites and the Ammonites have gotten together to attack the people of Judah. And there's so many Moabites plus Ammonites, the people of Judah don't have a chance. On the eve of the big battle, Jehaziel, the prophet, spoke. And here's what he said. Listen, everyone, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. And that's beautiful. But I can imagine the, the military leaders rolling their eyes in the back of the crowd and thinking, oh, my goodness, these preachers, they just don't know what they're talking about. People don't ever say that today, but in the old days they did. And I can imagine people thinking about the prophet Jehaziel and thinking, these preachers, my goodness. Then the next morning, the king spoke, Jehoshaphat. They were all gathered there, ready to march out to battle. The king spoke, and here's what he said. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be delivered, and here is what you're going to do. The military leaders must have been thinking, okay, no more platitudes about attitudes. Now we're, we're going to get a real strategy. And the king said, I want you soldiers to go forth and sing. Can you imagine? I can imagine them saying, would, would you repeat that, please? It's, did you say form a ring? Did you say kill their king? Because it sounded like you said you wanted us to go forth and sing. And that was exactly what he meant. And so there they went to the battlefield, swords by their sides, and they got out there and they and they sang. And here's what they sang. Revela uh, uh, excuse me, Second Chronicles 20, 21 records the lyrics. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they, 
And my hunch is they didn't sing as pretty as y'all did this morning, but they sang. And the Bible says the Moabites and the Ammonites turned on each other, and not a blood of Judean, or not a drop of Judean blood was spilt because they sang. I don't know exactly how to interpret that, except that, that God seems to honor people who are willing to sing when singing is hard. Have you ever heard of the Estonian singing revolution? Estonia is a small Baltic country in Europe that was overrun by the Soviet Union right after World War II. And they were so small, they had no, no way to defend themselves, but they were brokenhearted. Their freedom was stolen, their hearts broken, and, and yet they refused to stop singing. Now, the Soviets had some things they said, you can't sing. They absolutely forbade the singing of patriotic, those old patriotic songs. And there was one in particular that they would sing in their native language of Estonian. Land of my fathers, land that I love. You can't sing that, the communists said. You can't sing land of my fathers, land that I love. But one day in Tallinn, the capital, there was a big a choral festival. They, they, they would often gather for these big singing festivals. And there were 100,000 people there in Tallinn. And they had a choir. And somebody in the choir began spontaneously to singing that patriotic song, Land of My Fathers, Land That I Love. Then the whole choir began to sing. And then everybody there began to sing. And they had a band, a Soviet band. And the communists said to the band, Now, Yunzes start playing. But they did. And no offense to the horn section over here, but the, they couldn't drown out 100,000 people singing, Land of My Father's Land That I Love. And you all didn't know Yunzes was a Russian term, did you? But it, but it is. And they started, that, that started a revolution, a singing revolution. Never fired a shot. Never was a drop of Estonian blood shed, and they found their freedom. And there's a wonderful documentary. Go home and Google it. The Singing revolution. I don't know how to interpret that except to say, I believe God honors people who choose to sing when singing is hard. Acts 17, Acts 16, Paul and Silas are chained. They're shackled in jail, shackled to the wall. The Bible says at midnight they began to sing. I don't know how they began to sing. Maybe Paul began to hum and Silas knew the words. He's, they, it was midnight. They probably sang low at first. But then they began to, the way I, I picture the story, they began to really sing. And the Bible says in Acts 16, 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. I heard the late E.V. Hill tell that story one day. He said, Paul and Silas were singing in prison and their songs drifted up through the troposphere, through the stratosphere, through the exosphere, till the songs reached God's sphere. And God began to tap his foot. And when God began to tap his foot, everything began to shake until, until the doors of the prison shook open and the chains fell. I don't know how to interpret that except to say I believe God honors his people when they choose to sing, especially when, when singing is 
hard. And when singing is a, a choice. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In our English translations, that word rejoice is a translation of the Greek word karo, which literally means do joy. Joy is not an emotion you sit around and wait on. Joy is not an experience you sit around and hope for. Joy is a choice. Joy is something you do. Barbara Johnson wrote, stick a geranium in your hat and be happy. Her husband had suffered a debilitating injury. One son was lost, was killed in Vietnam. Another, killed, another son killed in an automobile accident. She was brokenhearted over another son. And she, yet she said one line that's worth the price of the book. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. Sometimes you just got to choose to sing. In 1952, they made a movie, Gene Kelly, called Singing in the Rain. That was before even I was born. But I've seen the, I've seen the scene, even in commercials. That marvelous dancer, Gene Kelly, with an umbrella, and it's raining, and he jumps in the puddles, and he jumps back on the sidewalk, and he swings around the light, uh, light posts, and and he's singing even when it's singing in the, you know that, singing in, just singing in the rain. It was raining on the people of Judea in Babylon. And they chose not to sing. It was raining on Habakkuk. He woke up figless, oliveless, grapeless, sheepless, callous. But he said, I'm still going to. I'm still going to sing. And you and I can decide whether we're going to be a Psalm 137 Christian or a Habakkuk 3 Christian. You with me? We decide whether we're going to be a Psalm 137 Christian or a Habakkuk 3 Christian. We decide, am I going to hang up my hymnal? Am I going to throw away my harps? Or am I going to sing. Three things in closing. For one, I know that many, for many people singing is difficult. I understand that. I just want to say it again. Depression is a real thing. Physiological, emotional, chemical disorders make it hard for some people to sing. You still have a responsibility to take care of yourself, but I understand it's hard to sing. Some of you have a broken heart this morning. For you, it would be, it would be phony for you to Act like nothing is wrong. It's okay for Christians to grieve. To grieve. Jesus, after all, wept. So, I, for number one, I know that singing is awfully hard for some. But two, for most of us, singing is a choice. And we choose, am I going to be a Psalm 137 Christian? Am I going to be a Habakkuk 3 Christian? We decide. Uh, we decide our attitude. There's a third thing, and this is new, and I'll close with this. I believe Jesus can make your heart sing. Now, I know that sounds preachy, and it sounds corny. And to quote Jeremy, about it, he said, I hope this song doesn't sound sappy. I know that sounds sappy. But I believe Jesus is the source of my song. Now, sometimes that song is sung in a minor key. There have been periods in my life when that song was in a minor key, when 
the story had not ended as I had wanted it to end, but the, the song never has gone away, and I believe Jesus is the source of my song. I say that with sincerity. I'm not just, I'm not just being a preacher. I'm saying that with all my heart. And my hunch is that someone listening to me is looking for a song. Your life with, without Jesus is like a movie without a soundtrack. Think about that. Soundtracks have, have make movies what they are. You can have actors and actresses. You can have a script. You can have props. You can have a set. But without the musical soundtrack, there's just not much to it. Remember the silent, I know you don't remember the silent movies, but do you remember, do you remember seeing the, you know, stories about the silent movies? You know, down in the Alabama theater in Birmingham, they have a big organ. The purpose of that organ was to accompany the movies, to give emotion, to, to give meaning to the, what they were acting out. The, uh, Jesus is like the music, the musical soundtrack to your movie. You remember how scared you were the first time you saw the movie Jaws? Remember? Dunham, Dunham, Dunham. Boy, just makes you have nightmares thinking about that, right? But that, without Dunham, Dunham, it's just a fish and a girl swimming in the ocean, but you add, you add Dunham, 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 and it just scared to death. What about Star Wars, remember, you've seen it, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I know some of you have seen all of them several times. Da, 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 right? I mean, otherwise, it's just a bunch of weird folks flying through space, but you add, da, 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 it adds, what's missing from the movie, right? It adds that undergirding of what's going on. What about Rocky? Remember Rocky? Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da. It's just a man running through the streets of Philadelphia, but you add da-da-da, da-da-da, and all of a sudden it's Rocky. What about Frozen for our younger crowd? You know Frozen? <laughs> yeah. And that song that gets you in your head? Let it go, let it go. We had karaoke here one night, and everybody who came in wanted to sing Let It Go. The folks there were beside themselves. They got so tired of hearing Let It Go. But without that, it's just a cold movie. But you add Let It Go, Let It Go. It's a, a movie without a soundtrack is kind of empty. It's got actors and actresses and a script and a props and, and a set. But you add the, add the musical score. Ah, now, it's all it could be. Some of you have everything you need for life, a home, a family, your health, job. But your life seems like a, music, like, like a movie without a musical score, and there's something missing. And I believe Jesus is the song. Some of you know Bono and his group, U2. They have a song titled Yahweh. Of course, that's the Hebrew name for God. Take this soul stranded in some skin and bones, the song says. Take this soul and make it sing. Some people are looking for a song. 
There's an old gospel song written by Homer Grimes 80 years ago. It's titled, Jesus Gives Me a Song. And it says this, in sin I wandered seeking a song. Days were so dreary, nights were so long. One day believing, Jesus receiving, my soul thrilled with the song. Some of us are still, somebody listening to me is still looking for a song. Another old gospel song you will know. There's within my heart a melody. You know, the, the chorus says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Another less familiar old hymn, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. In my heart he implanteth a song, a song of deliverance, of courage and strength. In my heart he implanteth a song. Some of you are living life without the, the orchestration without the music. And somebody listening to me is, is looking for a song, and I believe with all my heart that that song is Jesus. So I invite you to turn your eyes, not on other Christians and not on a church, but to turn your eyes upon Jesus. That is hymn number 402. 